Ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to introduce a new sponsor to the podcast. Hillsdale College has been a longtime sponsor of the broadcast. And for the new year, they've graciously agreed to exclusively sponsor the first hour or segment of the podcast. I believe deeply in the principles and mission of Hillsdale College, which I share with you during the upcoming segment. My thanks and appreciation to Hillsdale College for their long partnership with the show. And now, the podcast. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Yes, there's a scandal involving certain colleges, certain Hollywood types, certain wealthy types. We'll get into that. It's all over the media. You have to be deaf, dumb, and blind not to see it and hear it. We will give you my unique take on it. I also want to talk about the various aspects of the attack on our civil society by the left, that by the likes of Eric Holder seems to be involved in all of them. They want to attack what they call gerrymandering and make it a professional exercise. That is, they take it over. The movement to get around the Electoral College. The movement to uh, destroy what's left of our electoral system with their so-called electoral reforms. And now we have a proposal coming from Democrats to expand the size of the Supreme Court. Again, Eric Holder among those leading the charge. So you can see at every turn, the left tries to destroy our Constitution. They don't propose amendments. They don't do what we do, which is talk about Article 5 Convention of States. No, they just plan to bulldoze their way through. Why do they want to do all these things? Because they're very fascistic, if not totalitarian in their mindset. That's why. The Constitution is an impediment, but they'll wave it around when they think it can help them. It's like popular elections. They want more and more people to vote as long as they can change the nature of the citizenry, as long as they can import more and more Democrats in the long run. Uh, But even after they vote, they will decide uh, what's left for the public to decide and what's left for them to decide. And that circle of liberty around you is getting tighter and tighter and tighter. But that's not what I want to talk about this moment. Impeachment. This word is thrown around by liberals, conservatives, Republicans, Democrats. Impeachment. And then they give a broad brush, say it's a political process, and then they move on. You know, folks, I just wish the people who would talk to you on TV, talk to you behind the radio microphone, would actually spend a little bit of time informing themselves. To simply dismiss impeachment as a political process is inaccurate. That's not what the Constitution says. The Constitution doesn't say, hey, impeachment's a political process. If you read Madison's notes, and there were other notes taken at the Constitutional Convention, but his were the most comprehensive, and he had them released 50 years after the Constitutional Convention itself. If you read his notes on the issue of impeachment, you can see there was great debate. They looked into what Britain had done. They looked into other societies. They debated it. They decided 
with some particularity what words to put in our Constitution? <clears throat> Excuse me? So to simply, it's a political process. Is that what they say? Is that what it says in the Constitution? It's, it's a political process. It's not a criminal process. We know that. But it's not a purely political process either. It is a constitutional process. It is a constitutional process. And that means there are certain requirements. Now, they can be violated by the House of Representatives. They can go ahead and try and impeach a president or a vice president or other top officials in the executive branch by ignoring the Constitution. And that's what's going on here. That's what's going on right now. This loose talk about impeachment. The inability of some conservatives to effectively engage is troubling. The public's not really educated about what do we mean by impeachment? What does the Constitution say? And what are the conditions for impeachment? To keep saying we're waiting around for a prosecutor's report to decide if an impeachable offense occurred is preposterous. To keep saying that when prosecutors file papers and indict somebody else that there is presented an impeachable offense against the president, that's preposterous. And to keep bringing up Bill Clinton's impeachment, you know, that didn't work well for Republicans. That's not even the point of impeachment. Bill Clinton was impeached because he undermined a federal court. He undermined a grand jury. He undermined a deposition. That is, he tried to fix a case. He obstructed. He perjured in civil litigation. That's what he did. Donald Trump's done no such thing. Period. Nothing. And what's happening here in our body politic and in our media is that impeachment's becoming just another word, like apple or water. Oh, impeachment. Yeah, no, impeachment's a big deal. The reason Bill Clinton was impeached was because he committed offenses, not simply the offenses in the Constitution. He went beyond that. He went beyond that. High crimes and misdemeanors, what do they mean by that? Oh, it's just political. No, it's not just political. What do they mean by that? Now, first of all, we can exclude a whole series of, of issues that are raised by the left and the media and the Democrats and some of the Trump-hating Republicans. Anything the president did before he became president of the United States is off the table. The impeachment clause deals with what the president's doing as president of the United States. Period. Moreover, the president of the United States has to have committed some kind of a grievous offense against the people or against his office. So we're waiting for a prosecutor's report? What does a prosecutor's report have to do with that? Nothing. Oh, well, don't you know? Don't you know they're going to say that he obstructed justice? They can say whatever they want. 
There's really not a lot of new information that Mr. Mueller is going to provide to us that hasn't been leaked by his office and others already. Oh, I know the media will spin it. I know the Democrats will spin it. I know Republicans will harangue and harangue. I know that. But really? There's no direct connection between this president and some kind of collusion with Russia over the election. Or they would have leaked it. Or we'd know about it already. And what have I told you for the last several months? I, I feel fairly certain that the prosecutor's office has been giving information to the Democrats. We've talked about this. And by the way, may I just say one other thing? This, this, I, I, I'm sorry, folks. I know it's annoying to you. I know there's a lot of talk show hosts. I know there's a lot of stations. I know there's a lot of airtime to fill. Will these people please do their own shows and stop doing the show I did yesterday or stop doing the show I did two months ago and stop repeating what I sang as if they created the ideas? This is why I can't listen to this stuff anymore. People send me emails. I just can't. Now I'll continue. There is absolutely no legitimate historical or constitutional basis to impeach this president, yet they keep throwing the word around. Now, why do they do that? Why do they do that? Well, we know why they do that. To make it a more sellable point. Now, they've pulled back. We talked about this yesterday. They haven't pulled back. Trust these people. They go on about impeachment the day after the president of the United States is elected. The day after the election, they're talking about impeachment and even indicting them, which we, you and I, inform the American people that that's not possible. That went on for a year. But all of a sudden, he's not worth it. It's too much work. We'll see, unless there's some really grave issue or catastrophic issue that comes up. They're setting us up. Now, we've talked about this. This constant ripping of the President of the United States is intended to prevent him from getting reelected and or setting the stage for impeachment. We've talked about that for a long time. And so the more people who are comfortable with the word impeachment, oh, yeah, sure, he committed impeachment. Well, what was it? Well, I don't know, but it was impeachable. It's just another day. Now I'll circle back to how I started the program. They want to destroy the gerrymandering process, which is a purely political process, in fact. They want to destroy the Electoral College and go to what they call national popular vote. We'll get into all this. They want to pass a whole set of changes to our voting system in order to ensure that more and more Democrats get elected and more and more people who shouldn't vote are voting. And now they want to expand the Supreme Court, something that was rejected when FDR proposed it, rejected by a Democrat Congress. But now they... Let me tell you the difference. The Democrat leadership today is so radical, so radical, that even in FDR's day, the Democrats stood up to the FDR and said, keep your hands off the Supreme Court. Keep your hands off our system. The Democrats today look for every opportunity they can to destroy our institutions. There's not a single institution they haven't destroyed or tried to destroy, is there? Now, we'll get into some of this because it's very important, and I doubt you'll hear it elsewhere until after I say it. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
The new congressional leadership is in town, but there's nothing new about what they're pushing. Big government, centralized government, iron-fisted government, higher taxes, more regulations, open borders. They're on a mission to obstruct our freedom and undermine our sovereignty. Yours, mine, all of ours. And too many representatives don't care. This is the nature of progressivism. It's an ideological poison. And the best way to fight it is with knowledge, information about liberty, about the Declaration, about the Constitution, and how Congress is supposed to work. It's up to we, the people, to understand what our government is and is not supposed to do. And that includes Congress. And thankfully, my good friends at Hillsdale College have brought back the powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress, and it's absolutely free. Please take advantage of this remarkable offer to equip yourself, your family, your friends, your neighbors, with the knowledge that all of us should have about our Congress and our government generally. Hillsdale College is on a critical mission to restore liberty in our great country. And you can take their excellent online courses for free for a limited time. So sign up right now for this important course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't anymore so we can do something about it. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. O'Brien, former Attorney General Eric Holder, has suggested to his fellow Democrats one way to put their stamp on American history, especially in light of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and President Trump's agenda, is to expand the Supreme Court. He made the far-fetched proposal last week at Yale Law School and Columbia University. Now, I'm telling you. Both Kirsten Gillibrand and Pete Buttigieg, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, have suggested they could support this. Buttigieg said he got the idea from the Yale Law Journal. Yale Law Journal, you idiot. It was tried in the 19, uh, early, late, uh, mid-1930s, late 1930s. Let's see. Buttigieg is not one for political tradition. He has also promoted abolishing the Electoral College. So now Holder's behind it. Gillibrand is behind it because she's behind anything that she thinks will help her. Then we have this from our friends at 538. Nathaniel Rakich. The National Popular Vote Initiative seeks to set up an interstate compact that would effectively do an end run around the Electoral College without actually abolishing it. Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, they don't have the votes to amend the Constitution. So they don't bother. Which require the lengthy, laborious process of building broad bipartisan support to pass a constitutional amendment. The logic behind the compact is that the Constitution already gives states the power to award their electoral votes how they see fit. So each state that signs on to the compact agrees to award its electoral votes to whomever wins the national popular vote, not necessarily the candidate who wins that state. So a candidate can win your state, but the electors vote for the other candidate because the other candidate won the popular vote throughout the country. How do you, how do you like that? Completely undermines state authority. 
There's just one catch, they write. The agreement only goes into effect when the states who've joined are worth a total of 270 electoral votes, enough to deliver an automatic victory to the popular vote winner. Currently, 11 states, plus the District of Columbia, representing 172 electoral votes, have signed on to the compact. But Colorado and its nine electoral votes are, are primed to join in the next few weeks. The state House and Senate recently passed the bill, and Governor Jared Polis has said he will sign it. That would bring the total number of signatories to 13, and the electoral vote count up to 181, two-thirds of the way to 270. Now the compact just needs to bring on enough new states to get 89 additional electoral votes, and it would radically change how the United States picks its president. So there's that. Radically change the Supreme Court. Radically change how the United States picks its president. Now, we also want to radically change how we create congressional districts. And Eric Holder and others are behind this, including Barack, Milhouse, Benito, Obama. This is from Fox News from a few weeks back. Former President Barack, Milhouse, Benito, Obama... Non-profit, his nonprofit political organization is teaming up with his former attorney general, Holder, to launch a campaign against gerrymandering. The All on the Line campaign, which will also work to protect the Affordable Care Act, reduce gun violence, expand voting rights, is part of a push in recent years by high-profile Democrats to curtail the use of gerrymandering across the country. Now, why would they support this? Well, I'll tell you why. Because they go into court against the administration that says only citizens should be counted in the census. Why? So when you apportion the number of seats that each state gets in the House of Representatives, that that's only based on the number of citizens. If it's not based on citizens, but can be based on any human being who's here, including illegal aliens... That means that these dark blue states that are welcoming to illegal aliens will have more congressional seats than those states that uphold immigration laws and are not importing or welcoming illegal aliens. You see, this is all an effort to truly destroy representative government. This is all really an effort to destroy crucial pieces of our constitutional order. That's why you really have to laugh or cry when you hear the Democrats talk about impeachment when you hear the media give this voice when you talk about obstruction of justice when you hear Republicans aren't sure if the National Emergencies Act should be uh, employed in order to secure the border while the Democrats are trying to destroy and have destroyed big chunks of the Constitution along the way it is a sad day I'll be right back I want to thank our sponsor, Hillsdale College, for all they do to try and maintain the greatness of America. You know, most colleges have enough trouble maintaining the greatness on their own campuses, and they have declined, and they have fallen into cultural rot. Not Hillsdale College. It's a special place, and now they reach out to all citizens of the country to spread the word of liberty, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, capitalism, all the great things that make America what she is today. 
And now that Congress is under new leadership, it already seems to be on a mission to thwart our liberty, doesn't it? Yours and mine. But too many representatives don't know how to preserve liberty, and too many of them don't care. We call them progressives. But I'm not interested in the progressives. I'm interested in you, we the people. It's up to we the people to retain what we have earned and to retain what we have received from our founding fathers. And our founding fathers counted on we the people to hold our government in check. And being able to do that means understanding the proper role of Congress. That's why for a limited time, my good friends at Hillsdale have brought their powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress back, absolutely free, to equip all of us to know what we should expect of our Congress. Hillsdale is on a mission to restore liberty like the rest of us. And you can take their excellent online course for free for a limited time. Sign up today for this critical course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't anymore. Learn about liberty, the Declaration, the Constitution. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. All right, America. As disclosed on my Sunday show on Fox by Lynn Wood, in fact, they have sued CNN, Nicholas Sandman, a Kentucky high school student, I'm reading from the Daily Beast, who was the center of a viral confrontation with a Native American elder in Washington, D.C., has filed a defamation suit against CNN asking for $275 million in damages. According to court documents obtained by the Daily Beast, Sandman's attorneys claim CNN falsely accused Sandman and his Covington Catholic classmates of racist conduct in at least four TV broadcasts and nine online articles. Quote, CNN brought down the full force of its corporate power, influence, and wealth on Nicholas by falsely attacking, vilifying, and bullying him, despite the fact that he was a minor child, the suit said, insisting that the network had a, quote, well-known and easily documented bias against President Trump and his supporters. The attorneys also accused CNN of ignoring the consequences of its actions upon a, mild, a minor child and not punishing analyst Bakari Sellers after he implied that Sandman could be punched in the face. Sandman and his lawyers also recently sued the Washington Post for defamation and have expressed that they intended to sue more media outlets. CNN did not respond to the Daily Beast's request for comment. So CNN has been officially sued, $275 million defamation suit. Uh, I predict that CNN, the Washington Compost, and all the rest of them will seek to have these cases moved to friendly courts in friendly areas like Washington, D.C., try and move it out of Kentucky, where young Nicholas Sandman lives, where the high school exists, and from where the buses left to take them to Washington, D.C. You watch. I also suspect behind the scenes that one or more of these so-called media outlets will try and settle, depending on what their insurance situations are. And you will have one doofus legal analyst after another doofus legal analyst, a former this and a former that, giving themselves all kind of highfalutin titles with zero experience on free speech, freedom of the press, and the First Amendment. Cherry-picking Supreme Court decisions, cherry-picking arguments, beating their chest, patting themselves on the back of the heads by saying, well, this is opinion, you see. And because it's opinion, 
Well, the Supreme Court will not hold fast to that. I mean, opinion is opinion. It's not opinion. When you have video that shows the conduct, that conduct that actually took place is the opposite of what was reported. That's not opinion. That's defamation. And I'll tell you why I appreciate these lawsuits. Because the so-called profession of journalism does not police itself privately. Even when it makes errors, it hopes you won't catch them. And if you do catch them, it's a rare apology that comes from it. It's usually a restatement of events. We want the news. We want the truth. We understand that it's an imperfect process. But we also understand there's a difference between a mistake and an imperfect process. And willy-nilly attacks on individuals, particularly minor children, which you know will have a devastating effect. Attacks that are recorded, attacks that are broadcast over and over and over again. Jeff Sucker said the other day, Jeff Sucker said the other day that it was Fox that was hurting America, that it was Fox that was prop- propagandist. Really? Well, who just got sued for $275 million? What ought to happen here, Brian Stelter, is you ought to be fired. Because you're a disgrace. Every one of the jerks over there at CNN who've surrendered their professional journalism for something else ought to be fired. Every single individual involved in trashing this young boy for political purposes ought to be fired. But will they be? No. This is CNN. This is crap. Hence the constipated news network. And so the lawsuit has been filed, and we will see what takes place. CNN and the Washington Compost, they do not want these cases in a courtroom. They do not want these cases in front of a jury. They do not want these cases in front of a judge. Everybody else, everybody else, that's where justice is done. And I want you to keep something in mind. When this republic was founded, when we got our Constitution, we had our Bill of Rights that followed the adoption of the Constitution. They came later, recommended by the first Congress, and then ratified by the states. None of those amendments, the first ten amendments, applied to the states. Much later, in the last century, the Supreme Court invented what is called the incorporation doctrine and started to incorporate some of the amendments or parts of them to the states. They just did it. The fact is, before we had a Supreme Court decision in 1964, New York Times versus Sullivan, public officials had as every right to sue media outlets as anybody else in state court. You see, because the states still had defamation laws, the states have courts, and the states had different defamation laws, but they upheld those defamation laws. So you still could get some kind of restitution, some kind of justice in a state court. Well, the Supreme Court nationalized all this in 1964, and then it broadened it, not just to public figures, but people who were in the public square. And then they went even further, as Lynn Wood explained on my program, people who are involuntarily in the public square, got hooked into this. Then the Supreme Court pulled back and said, well, I think we went a little too far on that. Then there's this distinction between 
news and opinion. And this is where CNN is in trouble. Because at CNN, there is no distinction between news and opinion. I've been saying this for a long time. So much have I been saying, so often have I said this, that now the backbenchers are gurgling it up. I've made this distinction between Fox and CNN and Fox and MSNBC, but particularly CNN. Fox has a news division, and it has an opinion side. CNN has all news, which is all opinion most of the time. And that's one of the distinctions between the Fox situation and the CNN situation. Let's see if CNN will report on this accurately. Let's see what CNN does with this story. Let's see if CNN self-censors. Let's see if they're still hung up on Tucker Carlson. Incredible. CNN tries to take people out through character assassination. That's what they did with Nicholas Sandman. They wanted to take this kid out. Take him down. Why? Why? Catholic. White. Male. Straight. No. Because of the hat he was wearing. He wore a MAGA hat. Make America Great Again. And you see, for the left, when you say make America great again, they hate you. America was never great. Isn't that what one of their candidates said? What are you making great here? They hate it. Make America great again. MAGA. No. It's like wearing a Klan uh, robe, they said. That's why they went after this kid. To send a message to everybody, particularly young people out there. Don't get in with Trump. Don't wear those hats. Don't support the Make America Again. I mean, we're spending billions and billions of dollars on tenured professors and universities to propagandize you, to indoctrinate you. You better get your message straight. No MAGA hats. That's why CNN didn't bother. That's why CNN trashed this kid. Now, why would anybody want to work at CNN after this? Why don't all the news people resign? Well, we know why. Where else are they going to go? You know, CNN's the bottom of the barrel like MSNBC. If you can't make it there, you can't make it anywhere. Where are you going to go? There's no, there's no down. There's no further down. Unless you're going to do a broadcast on uh, sonograms or airport radar. We need to clean up freedom of the press. And I don't mean by that authoritarian interference. I don't mean by that governmental interference. The press exists for we the people. Freedom of speech exists for we the people. The First Amendment and the Constitution exists for we the people. We have a right to expect a newsroom to produce news rather than propaganda for the Democrat Party and the progressive agenda. We have a right. We are America. That's our Constitution. I'll be right back. Mark 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, it appears that the new congressional leadership is on a course to impede our liberty, your liberty and mine and the future liberty of your children and your grandchildren. Many of our representatives simply don't understand or care about the critical imperative to preserve our liberty. And it would seem that some of these so-called progressives actually seek to kill it. And these progressives are quite unlikely to understand or learn these things, which is why we have to. We need to overcome them. Our founding fathers counted on we the people to hold our government in check. And being able to do that means understanding the proper role of Congress. Now, to help us understand this critical issue for a limited time, my friends at Hillsdale College have brought their powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress back, absolutely free to equip all of us to know what we should expect of our Congress. I encourage you to check out this course, but not just you, your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. Spread the word of liberty like Hillsdale College is. Hillsdale is on an important mission to restore liberty in our great country. And for a limited time, you can take their excellent and enlightening online courses for free. I urge you to sign up right now for this critical course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't work anymore. Learn more about liberty. Spread the word. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. This suit, we will be told, damages freedom of the press stifles it. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't need lectures from the press, the modern press, that have done more to damage the press than any other institution I can think of. You've got more ideologues, more individuals with agendas. They know it. We know it. More individuals who are conflicted at CNN, at MSNBC, at the New York Times, Washington Post. They know who they are. They know what they are. NBC, CBS, ABC. They've been doing this for decades. But because Trump is president, they're all out of the closet now. All out of the closet. And they have this group thinking, so aggressive are they that they try to destroy Fox. Oh, the news side of Fox is okay. We just don't like, you know... The guys that get the numbers that the people really want to watch and listen to. Hannity and Carlson and Ingram. Get rid of those guys. Oh, and by the way, Fox and Friends, get rid of them and we'll be fine. Because then Fox will be neutered. They'll be neutered. Since when does another network tell a network how to conduct themselves? It's important to stand up to these bullies. That's why they hate Trump. He stands up to them. Now this young kid, Nicholas Sandman, he's standing up to them too with one of the best, smartest, most successful, most effective litigators in the country. And these major media corporations, CNN is owned by AT&T, NBC and MSNBC, I believe, is owned by Comcast. You pay for all this. You pay for all of it. These massive multi-billion dollar corporations trying to crush people. And now they have a fight on their hands. Let's just hope our courts aren't completely useless. Now, they proposed voting reform. Oh. And didn't the media do a great job of breaking down what they mean by 
voting reform, the Democrats. So in addition to trashing our Constitution, which I've now gone through at some length, trashing it to ensure permanent victory and going around the amendment process, just do it, you know. Their proposal, H.R. 1, for the People Act, among other things, forces states to implement mandatory voter registration, removing civic participation as a voluntary choice. In other words, you would be forced to register to vote, whether you like it or not. It's not your choice. It mandates that states allow all felons to vote. Forces states to extend periods of early voting. Mandates same-day voter registration. You walk in to vote, you say, all right, I'm here, I want to register. Now we know that encourages voter fraud. Limits the ability of states to cooperate, to see who's registered in multiple states at the same time. Why would the Democrats have a problem with that? Why do you think? Prohibits election observers from cooperating with election officials to file former challenges to suspicious voter registrations. See, they call this voter suppression. It's amazing. You want to clean up the lists. You want states to communicate with each other. You want to make sure people who are voting are supposed to vote. An election observer can't cooperate with an election official. It bars states from making their own laws about voting by mail. It criminalizes protected political speech by making it a crime to discourage someone from voting. Even the ACLU said, wait a minute. It prohibits chief election officials in each state from participating in a federal election campaign, mandates free mailing of absentee ballots, mandates the states adopt new redistricting commissions. In other words, it nationalizes state voting prerogatives. And I will tell you, that if this had been proposed during the Constitutional Convention, the, con- the Constitution would never have been adopted. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Well, you've heard about this scandal, right? These stars and coaches and bribery scheme. This is how the Associated Depressed has written it. Fifty people, including Hollywood stars Felicity Huffman and Lori Lachlan, were charged in a scheme in which wealthy parents allegedly bribed college coaches and other insiders to get their children into some of the nation's most elite schools. Federal authorities called it the biggest college admissions scam ever. It's not, and I'll explain that later. Well, ever prosecuted, maybe, by the U.S. Justice Department, with the parents accused of paying an estimated $25 million in bribes. These parents are a catalog of wealthy and privileged, U.S. Attorney Andrew Lelling said in announcing the results of an investigation codenamed Operation Varsity Blues. The scandal is certain to inflame longstanding complaints that children of the wealthy and well-connected have the inside track in college admissions, 
sometimes through big, timely donations from their parents, and that privilege begets privilege. Oh, sure. Sure. All these wealthy parents are giving $500 million to pretend that their kids play sports. Sure, sure. See, the media just can't control itself. It's got to be a bigger narrative. Class warfare. Why don't we just stick with the facts? At least nine athletic coaches and 33 parents, many of them prominent in law, finance, or business, were among those charged. Dozens, including Huffman, were arrested by midday. The coaches worked at such schools as Yale, Stanford, Georgetown, Wake Forest, University of Texas, University of Southern California, University of California, Los Angeles. A former Yale soccer coach pleaded guilty and helped build the case against others. Prosecutors said parents paid an admissions consultant from 2011 through last month to bribe coaches and administrators to falsely make their children look like star athletes to boost their chances of getting into college. The consultant also hired ringers to take college entrance exams for students and paid off insiders at testing centers to alter students' scores. Parents spent anywhere from 200000 to $6.5 million to guarantee their children's admission, officials said. For every student admitted through fraud, an honest and generally talented student was rejected. And it goes on. You and I have talked about this before, not this particular type of a prosecution, but universities and colleges. As a matter of fact, I've written about it at some length in Plunder and Deceit, which I'm sure many of you have read. There's an entire chapter on colleges and universities and what a ripoff they are and how they're never investigated because they're a tool of the left. The left controls the vast majority of faculty positions and administrative positions. The college campuses are indoctrination factories. That's why their expenses are never investigated by Congress. There's never any oversight on tenure. They expand and expand. The price of an education is through the roof. This is a scandal that should be prosecuted, but it's a very small scandal when compared to the the institutionalization of a bigger scandal. And I want to talk to you about that. At these Ivy League schools, among others, how are faculty members chosen? How are faculty members chosen? In terms of students and their qualifications... One moment. We all know that qualifications alone, in terms of merit, doesn't decide all the seats that, that children fill. There's a lot of, lot of issues. Race is one of them. Background's another one. So it's not all based on merit. There's all kinds of decisions that go into these admissions policies. It'd be nice if we could investigate that, too. Are people treated as equals or are there special privileges whether it's for the wealthy whether it's based on some ancestral connection or whatever it is or is it just pure merit now we know that's not the case we know it's not pure merit how is it that these universities and colleges can continue to charge such confiscatory tuition rates making 
the loaning of money, you know, exorbitant. And then these private companies that loan the money effectively have been nationalized so that you and I owe the debt. I mean, the university and college campus is a scandal that deserves investigation, but it never happens. Just like the trial lawyers. You won't find that either. What's his tenure all about? Why should a professor have tenure? Well, they fear for their jobs. No, they don't. Why should a professor have tenure? To protect academic freedom? Well, that's a joke. Isn't it? It's academic indoctrination, in my view, not academic freedom. Massive debt is incurred. Massive debt. Not just by the student, but by we the people to pay for this. Well, let's see here. If I can find some of the information I'm looking for here, how these professors are chosen. Daniel B. Klein, this is from Plunder and Deceit. In Charlotta Stern, in an article in the Independent Review, a journal of political economy, much of the blame for groupthink among professors. They laid it at the feet of specific departments and department heads, which perpetuate an ideological close-mindedness. They argue that the faculty in a given department is less governed by the zeitgeist of the larger institutional community than by the modus vivendi of the specific department, and more broadly the profession in which it operates. The values of the individuals at the apex of that department usually dictate the standards and norms under which the faculty functions. Most often, this means that ideas or opinions that contradict those held by the leaders of the department are less likely to be published or even expressed openly by faculty, and tenure may also be offered or denied based on loyalty to the predicates of the department. There's also an incestuous network, listen to this, of graduates from the top departments in different fields who hire fellow alumni as they move into the higher, highest positions in departments at other colleges and universities. Klein and Stern cite a survey of the most prestigious 200 economics departments around the world. Graduates from the top five departments account for roughly one-third of all faculty hired in other departments surveyed. The top 20 departments account for roughly 70% of the total. Even worse, of the 430 full-time faculty employed by the top 20 sociology departments, only 7, less than 2%, received their PhDs from a non-top 20 department. In the field of law, Richard Redding finds, a third of all new teachers hired in law schools between 96 and 2000 graduated from either Harvard or Yale. Another third from the top 12 schools, and 20% graduated from other top 25 schools. So the point is, they hire within their own circle. That's how you get a faculty of one mindset. That's how you get groupthink. And then they get tenure. And this process goes on and on and on. How many hearings have there been in Congress about the admission practices at Ivy League schools and other top schools in this country. About the admissions practices. Are Asian Americans discriminated against? That's their claim at 
in the Harvard lawsuit. Are Jewish Americans discriminated against? That's been a claim in the past. (coughs) Are other individuals, because of their Republican backgrounds or conservative backgrounds or evangelical backgrounds, do they miss out on top slots? That's been asserted in the past. And what about quotas? Well, we don't have quotas anymore. But what about affirmative action, whether for the wealthy or for others? Well, you're not allowed to talk about that. There's all kinds of things that go on in these colleges and universities that simply aren't kosher. From the way they spend money, from what they charge for tuition fees, for the massive endless expansion of their physical plant, to who gets tenure and who doesn't, to who's hired and who isn't. It's never investigated, and yet hundreds of billions of dollars are poured into these institutions either through student loans, state and local taxes, federal subsidies, federal loans. And nobody wants to look. We've talked about this many times before, and I've written about it. No doubt one of the backbenchers will bring it up tomorrow. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. something interesting. Studies show that security systems deter burglars. It's a fact. There's still a burglary every eight seconds in America because burglars just find a house that isn't protected. If your house isn't protected, that's the kind of house they look for. So that's why securing your home is truly a necessity. So let me recommend this brilliant security system made by my friends at Simply Safe. Simply Safe believes fear has no place in a place like home. So they made their system ridiculously smart. Simply Safe sensors will protect every point of access to your home. If a burglar even tries to break in, an ear-shattering siren will let them know the police are already on the way. Best of all, Simply Safe's 24/7 monitoring is just 14.99 a month. 14.99 a month. And they'll never lock you into a long-term contract either. More than 3 million people already know it feels good to fear less with Simply Safe. So go with the only home security I trust, get free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee today at simplysafemark.com. That's simplysafemark.com for home security you'll trust. That's simplysafemark.com. All right. Let's take a couple of calls, shall we? Yes, we can. Renee, Kingman, Arizona, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Oh, thank you so much, Mark. Um, I just wanted to say uh, this is my first time ever on any radio. And thank you. So thank you. Um, Holly Weird is going away. Um, that's my prediction. They are just falling left and right um, like a house of cards. They are so corrupt and so disgusting. I stopped watching them years ago, and I cannot... I, I can't believe what I'm hearing and seeing in the news when I do hear it. So um, I don't listen to the news because it's toxic. So I only listen to healthy programs like you, Mark. I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> well, t- honestly, if you watch CNN, you don't even know. What, what are you getting? My mother watches that ad nauseum. She plays it and sleeps to it. And Oh, my she- Lord. 
she is such an angry, angry woman. And I can't get her to stop listening to it because she lives alone. And she's Jewish. um, And she is so stubborn. She she just, I wish she would listen to you. Tell her. Tell her to listen to me. I'm Jewish. I know. I know. And I, I love you. And I... Um, and I know she would love you if I could just tear her away from her programming. She's so polluted. She can't. She doesn't even know it. And what, what, is there any way to do it? Is she there with you? I wish. Oh God, Mark. I wish she was. I wish. Um, if, but I will play this for her. I and and she will hear this. <laughs> so. What's your What's her name? Not her whole name. Her, her first name. Her name is Marlene. Come on, Marlene. Liberty, security, family, country, faith. They all matter, except at CNN. They don't. Oh, Mark. Oh, thank you so much. I, You are so wonderful. I called, actually, for something else. And, and since I have you, I'm going to ask for your mercy because you've been so sweet. That how do I how do I reach you to ask you to talk about something that I have to get on the the news, but the news won't listen to me because well when when we go just talk to Mister Call Screener and tell him what you have in mind. All right, oh, Renee. Sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Best to your mother too. And I would definitely look watching CNN twenty four seven is not good for the health. There was a study done once by. Uh, Professor Erwin Corey. You ever hear Professor Erwin Corey? He did a study once, Professor Erwin Corey did, and he concluded that watching CNN 24-7, you actually drop your IQ by 23 points. So I just want to put that out there. Thank you, Renee. Let's go to Jim Lodi, California, the great KSFO. Go. Hey, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Hey, this is my thumbnail understanding of the Electoral College, the debate going all the way back to the uh, Constitutional uh, Convention was the rub was between states with big populations and small or states with small populations. Mm -hmm. And the compromise was the Electoral College. And if the Dems want to do away with the uh, compromise and go with popular vote, we should say, okay, if you want to do away with it, let's just go with whoever wins the most states wins it. That's what would determine it. And the compromise really is the Electoral College. Well, you're exactly and, right. It was the primary reason. That is, large states with small populations, small states with small populations, and then you had large and small states with large populations. You wanted to create a country, a unity of states, the United States of America. And uh, it really wasn't fair just to base it on population. You know, some states produce more food than other states. Some states are more important geographically than other states. And we can go on and on and on. It's not just population that's to make the determination. You wanted to create the United States. And so they came up with this ingenious idea. Okay, we want to unite these colonies. We want to unite these states. What do we do? Okay, we have uh, a president and a vice president. There's a popular vote. However... The popular vote, when you add them all up, is not what we're looking at. What we're looking at is who wins each state. So the popular vote, as an aggregate for the entire country, is irrelevant. It was never supposed to be relevant. What's relevant is how each state performs. 
So if somebody gets more votes in a particular state, then the electorals, the, 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 elect, the electors are assigned, some of them peel off, but, as a, but at least as a general matter, are assigned to that candidate. And that's to ensure that the states have a role. That's to ensure there's diversity within the country. That's to ensure there's mobility within the country. Not this constant centralization of decision-making and centralization of power. They destroyed the United States Senate. There's really no purpose anymore for the United States Senate. They don't represent the states. That was their primary purpose for existing. Uh, They want to do away with the Electoral College. Again, the states will be punished. But where they want to turn us into a a centralized European-type country... They want to abolish our capitalist system and replace it with something else. They want to abolish the notion of a nation state because they figure these people coming into the country uh, will mostly vote Democrat. This is a very diabolical party, the Democrat Party. It's been diabolical when it advanced slavery and segregation and Jim Crow, and it's diabolical today. Thank you for your call. We'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Mark Levin, tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now, 877-381-3811. That's our man. All right, CNN, speaking of CNN earlier, Brian Stelter and Jim Shuto, John Shuto, I believe it's Jim Shuto, actually. Jim Shuto worked for Obama. He was a national security advisor to Obama. Before that, I believe he worked for ABC or one of the news networks. So he's worked for a network, then for Obama, and back to a network. I mean, honest to God, folks, how serious are we supposed to take a person like this? I mean, he's able to park his ideology? No, he's not. And he's on TV with Brian Stelter. Brian Stelter used to write at the New York Times, but before that he was at Towson State in Maryland, where he uh, used to work out of his mother's basement. I'm not saying he's a cross-dresser. I've never said that. Why would I say that? I don't know if he, if he is or not. If I don't know, I wouldn't say he is. But he is obsessed with Fox because he's been told by his boss, Jeff Zucker, who looks like he, like he was a, uh, well, I don't know exactly. 
looks like he once had a face for a dartboard, I think. Or a bowling pin. Anyway, so Brian Stelter pretty much does what he's told to do, and he's told to attack, 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 attack Fox. It's very bizarre. And so here we have this Obama clown and this Zucker clown, Stelter, going back and forth on CNN today about Fox. Go ahead. Love of Fox News. That means this is also about what kind of values Fox stands for, what kind of standards Fox has. We should also know he worked for MSNBC during the time. During part of that time. The president tweeted today a comment that's really, I'm sorry to say, but it's ignorant about climate change science. Uh, Quoting someone on Fox and Friends, fake news, fake science. There is no climate crisis. Noting that carbon dioxide is the main Quoting somebody. I think they were quoting the one of the founders of Greenpeace. You see, the president's ignorant. But Mr. Shudo, who worked for Obama, he's a genius, even though his area is national security. And Stelter, basically, whose area is nothing, he's an expert, I think, on cow flatulence. These two know-nothings are certain of one thing. That Trump's ignorant, that Fox and Friends is bad, and that they... All right, go ahead. Life, yeah, but unless you have too much of it, it warms the planet. I mean, <laughs> this is the Fox what is happening feedback here? loop, yeah. right? This is the president engaging in climate change denialism simply because he. Oh, it. climate change denialism. How come they don't bring on any of these scientists, these PhDs, these physicists, physicists and others who raise questions about it? You got to listen to a guy by the name of Stelter who knows not a damn thing about anything. And this other fool, Jim Shudo. This is this is what it, this is what passes for news today. Go ahead. Entertainment morning show on Fox yeah. News. Uh, I think this is ultimately why the rhetoric from the Tucker Carlson's of the world matters. It's ultimately why the Fox and Friends morning show matters because the president is being informed, or more often, well, misinformed. Oh by this yes, yes, informed, misinformed. If only he would watch CNN, you know, he would have had that Nicholas uh, Sandman case all figured out, wouldn't he, you jerk? Absolute fool. Wouldn't he, you, you clown? They know nothing about this topic. Now it's climate change denialism. This is your free press. There's nothing good about this. Nothing good about this. Are we done with this clip? Go ahead. Reflected in U.S. policy. That's right. right? Because that has driven the U.S. out of climate accords and against a whole host of environmental measures that would address climate change. And I know, of course, it's been going on for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. He watches Fox. He tweets about Fox. It goes on and on. But it's still really strange. And I think we have to continue to call it out and observe how strange it is. What is strange? That the president watches Fox? What is strange about that? CNN is obsessed with Fox. Obama was obsessed with Fox. What are you worried about Fox for? Just do your own job over there at CNN. But they can't because nobody's watching. They're the third tier out of three cable channels. But, you know, this father, father president watches Fox. and What, he should watch you? Watch you? How does this guy even get on TV? Stupid question. Then we have Chuck Schumer on the floor today. Now, notice how Stelter and Shudo and Chuck Schumer all sound the same. You think that's a coincidence? It's not a coincidence. 
Stelter could change uh, uh, roles with, with a Schumer and have no problem with it in terms of both their ideology. Anyway, cut nine, go. This morning, the president tweeted a quote from a guest on Fox and Friends who called climate change, quote, fake science. Here's the quote. There is no climate crisis. There's weather and climate all around the world. And in fact, carbon dioxide is the main building block of life. There's weather and climate all around the world. Really, the president endorsed that quote. Wow, what a radical quote, folks. What a radical quote. There's weather and climate all around the world, and we would be dead without carbon dioxide. There's no question about that. Go ahead. Not every scientist who studied it knows that climate change is the greatest challenge facing No, every scientist who studied it doesn't, because you are a pathological liar. I've written about this, too. In Liberty and Tyranny, if you have an old copy of Liberty and Tyranny, just pull it out. I call these guys the Envirostatists. I wrote about it also in Plunder and Deceit, where they admit that this whole green movement is an old red movement. It's about deindustrialization, degrowth. It's about destroying the most successful economy on the face of the earth. That's what it is. Now, the Democrats have no problem with it. Why, Mark? They live here, too, because it's about power. It's about controlling things, controlling people. There are many, many highly qualified, highly informed, highly experienced, highly educated men and women in all kinds of scientific fields who reject the idea that man has a major role in affecting climate, whether we're getting warmer or cooler. They think it's preposterous that when we have hurricanes or earthquakes or tornadoes or droughts or floods or fire, forest fires, that somehow that's related to cattle methane or driving automobiles or anything of the sort. This stuff's been going on long before man was civilized, let alone industrialized. It's been going on long before there was man, that is mankind. The truly ignorant, the truly unknowledgeable, those who truly reject science are the clowns who are lecturing to us. The clowns who are lecturing to us. Go ahead. One who lives in these changes, dramatic changes in weather. Whether it's through California wildfires, whether it's flu floods in the Middle West and upstate New York, whether it's Miami getting its streets, getting flooded near the coast. This is so stupid. It's so embarrassing. And around this, the Democrat Party and many Republicans want to set policy about things that have been going on forever. Have you ever looked in the sky during the day and you see that big yellow thing? We call that the sun. You ever look at the sky at night and from time to time you can see that other big thing up? We call that the moon. The sun and the moon. They control our climate, particularly the sun. 
The Earth's been through a lot. The automobile isn't going to stop Earth from getting warmer or close or, or colder. Cows? Cows? One of these politicians sounds dumber than the next. One of these so-called journalists sounds dumber than the next. What are Stelter's qualifications or Shudo's qualifications? They comment at all. There were 31,000 scientists with PhDs, masters, BAs in a variety of fields. Climatology, meteorology, physics, you name it. Who many years ago, not that many, but many enough, and I have this in Liberty and Tyranny. I'm not hawking my books. These are older books. Questioning man-made climate change. And if it was so clear-cut, why would they question it? Things either are or they aren't in the world of science. These are the same people, no matter how they gerrymander society, no matter how they rejigger society, re-engineer society, whether it's Obamacare, whatever, no matter how many times they fail, they keep telling you to keep worship, keep worshiping centralized government, socialism, Why would they believe in science when they don't believe in reality? Go ahead. And over and over again, everyone knows things are changing dramatically. It's not just the normal cycle that I lived through the first 50 years of my life. The world is a little older than the first 50 years of your life, you idiot. Do you have to be this stupid? To be on the left? I guess you do. You know, we all know eating fruits and vegetables could be part of our daily routine. However, we don't always have time to fit them into our diet. Thankfully, my friends at Brickhouse Nutrition have made a product called Field of Greens, and it's great for those of us on the go. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA organic fruits and vegetables. Just add one scoop and a cup of water, stir and you're done. And it tastes very good. Now, I'm not the only one who thinks so. Read all of their five-star reviews, like this one from William in California. I was surprised when I initially mixed it in water and found the taste to be very pleasant. My energy levels are up in the morning and throughout the day, noticeably so. Very pleased. I highly recommend Field of Greens, as do I, ladies and gentlemen. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com. It's all one word. Brickhouse, L-E-V-I-N.com. Get 15% off your first order just for trying it out. And then use promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. I want to strongly encourage you to give it a shot. That's BrickHouseLevin.com, promo code LEVIN. BrickHouseLevin.com, promo code LEVIN. I'll be right back. Mark LEVIN. We're in the final days to register for that excellent free online course on Congress that I've been telling you about. Hillsdale College offers you the very best history, civics, and government courses you will ever find. And literature and economics, too. And they're all free to you. Why? Because Hillsdale's mission is to help any American who wants to learn how to be a better citizen. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? And it's that simple. 
Register now at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Given that there are so many in the House pushing socialist policies, it's more important than ever to do your part to advance freedom. The so-called progressives might control the House, but it's still up to us to control them. Hillsdale is on a mission to restore liberty in our great country. Let's do our part. Register right now to learn how Congress is supposed to work, and then watch the course anytime. Take it with your book club, your church group, or a weekly family night and teach your kids about freedom. LevinforHillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. We have had a full call board, and it's only fair that I take some more calls. Greg, Fairfax, Virginia, the great W-M-A-L. Go. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to impart an experience that uh, my son had. He is a full-ride ROTC scholarship winner for a local university here in Fairfax, Virginia. And, you know, every now and then they have to go to class while they're in full-dress uniform because, you know, that's just how it has to be instead of trying to change somewhere or whatever. Anyway, in his chemistry class, no, I'm sorry, it was statistics. His statistics class, he was in full dress one day. It was the first time. And he immediately could sense the professor's disdain for him. He told me that. And he said, man, this, this guy does not like me. You know, after he saw me in the uniform, he, I could tell he just, you know, has something against me. So flash forward, sure enough, he gets accused of plagiarism. Mm. Um and also two other members of the ROTC program who my son, you know, they, they weren't friends or anything. He really didn't know them. So we ended up having to take it all the way to the honor court, and we won. Um, and this professor ended up admitting that, oh, um, I, I made a mistake. I, 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 wasn't, I didn't mean plagiarism, this, that, and the other. And, what, ha- what happened you know, to this professor? Nothing. Nothing, nothing. at all. Professor's tenured, and they can't touch the professor. They cannot touch him. And there's one other thing I wanted to say, because you were on the subject of all the cows and methane. I wonder how much methane the millions of bison, the American buffalo that used to roam across our country, emitted back then. True. I wonder how much methane liberals uh, create. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they got to... I think uh, that tofu, as I understand, is very gaseous. Yes, I imagine so. So is broccoli and salad and all that. that Good point. Good point, my friend. So basically, we have to outlaw liberals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, God, how much better off would we be? I mean, this this professor, you know, to to target. And I think I think that, you know, as you've been pointing out repeatedly, but this is going on, not just for military ROTC folks, but just conservatives in general. We Mm -hmm. see it where. Guys like Ben Shapiro can't even get onto a campus to give a speech anymore. Mm-hmm. Or if you're a conservative professor, you have to kind of hide your uh, your views. All right, my friend, appreciate your call. Eddie, Palm Harbor, Florida, the great WFLA. Go. Good evening, Mark. Thank you for taking my call, sir. Yes. Uh, I'm a Navy veteran. I Thank love you. this country, and I am absolutely horrified at where the courts and this Democrat Party are taking us. I wanted to get your take on using the Article 5 Convention of States to amend the U.S. Constitution to ensure that only U.S. citizens are allowed to vote in our elections. Well, isn't that the way it's supposed to be? 
I'm all for Article 5 Convention of States, but that's the way it's supposed to be, I think. Um, It is. It it should be so simple, it's stupid. mm -hmm. I agree with you. By the way, we have 14 Um, states now that have uh, adopted uh, Article 5. That's a pretty big deal, don't you think? It absolutely is. Um, If I may, I know the president listens to your program. May I address him respectfully? Respectfully? Yes, sir. Yeah. Mr. President, if you truly would like a legacy that would be a first among U.S. presidents in modern history, we need your support behind the Article 5 Convention of States. This Republican Party will not carry out your agenda. Go ahead. I'm sorry, All right, sir. You're upset. I can tell. Well, thank you for your service. There's millions and millions of us in this together. So hang in there, Eddie. We'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. You know, we've talked a lot, and rightly so, about the anti-Semitic attacks that are taking place from the Democrat Party against Jews and the outrageous response, which was this phony resolution. But there's something going on in China against Christians that I want to talk about in a moment, too. But before we do that, I want to address the head of the Anti-Defamation League. The Anti-Defamation League is a Jewish organization that has as its historic role to fight the defamation of Jews. But the Anti-Defamation League did something really quite outrageous a few years back. It hired as its CEO Jonathan Greenblatt. Jonathan Greenblatt is a leftist. Jonathan Greenblatt was a special assistant to Barack Obama. Jonathan Greenblatt sat there and supported Obama's anti-Semitic comments and those of his staff and supported the Iran deal. And now he heads the Anti-Defamation League. 
And of course, he, in a very sleazy way, attacks President Trump, who's been the best friend in the Oval Office Israel has ever had, Obama being the worst. And so here's a piece in The Hill by Jordan Fabian. The head of the Anti-Defamation League today criticized President Trump for promoting a movement urging Jews to leave the Democratic Party over alleged anti-Semitism. Responding to Trump's tweet touting the so-called Jexodus movement, ADL CEO Jonathan Greenblatt said the Jewish community is harmed and the country grows more divided when anti-Semitism is repeatedly politicized. At a time when anti-Semitism is rising, he says, we need leaders to lead and fight hate rather than point fingers and cast blame. Enough, wrote Greenblatt, who worked in the Obama administration. Now, that is a contemptible comment. What he should be doing is thanking the President of the United States. He should be looking over his own career and be shamed by himself and the party he joined, but even more, the president he worked for. Democrats have repeatedly brought up Trump's August 27th statement that there were very fine people on both sides at a rally in Charlottesville where a white supremacist killed a counter-protester and marchers displayed Nazi banners and chanted, Jews will not replace it. Now, I read that transcript, the entire transcript to you. And they take that comment completely out of context to try and turn Trump into a white supremacist, of all things, and a Jew hater. And they even again put it in this article by the Hill newspaper. Fabian. Fabian, wasn't he a singer or something? Not this one. This one's a goofball. So the head of the Anti-Defamation League attacks Trump. Shame on you, you creep. You jerk. You don't represent me. And then they bring up this uh, Charlottesville BS. Again and again and again. Because they know that basically those are code words for Trump the racist. Even though he didn't say anything racist. As I've read over and over and over again to you. But what I wanted to talk about is what's happening in China. And this is from Linkstone. No, Inkstone. Inkstonenews.com. Inkstonenews.com, which uh, translates the Chinese into English for the rest of us. By Nectar Gan, a senior Chinese official who oversees state-sanctioned Christian churches has pledged to rid the Protestant faith in China of any Western imprint calling for further cynicization of religion. Zhu Jihang, chairman of the National Committee of the Three Self-Patriotic Movement, a government-controlled body that runs state-approved Protestant churches. See, they have state-approved Protestant churches. Attacked what Beijing perceived as Western influence. We must recognize that Chinese churches are surnamed China, not the West, Zhu told delegates to the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference at the Great Hall of the People in Beijing. The actions by anti-China forces that attempt to affect our social stability or even subvert the regime of our country are doomed to fail. See, this is the thing about 
faith. This is the thing about faith. When people believe in something bigger than government, when people believe in something bigger than government, and in a place like China, are most of these autocratic regimes, and more and more the United States, you cannot tolerate something that's bigger than the government. The actions by anti-China forces that attempt to affect our social stability, remember, or even, or even subvert the regime of our country, are doomed to fail. Zhu's speech was scripted to demonstrate support for President Xi Jinping's campaign. See, he's the great god now. Xi. The campaign has sparked international condemnation because of intensified repression of believers, especially Christians who the party fears could become tools of foreign influence or ethnic separatism. Now, they've put down these Uyghurs and Muslims, the minorities in their country, in these concentration camps. They've rounded them up by the hundreds of thousands. Sweeping security and religious crackdown in the far western region of the country. So you have Uyghurs and Muslims being held in internment camps for political indoctrination. For the officially atheist Communist Party, the cynicization campaign is an attempt to place religion under its absolute control and bring it into line with Chinese culture. Our Supreme Court seems to be headed more and more in that direction, doesn't it? Well, what did he say? I said what I said. According to a five-year plan, the communists are good with their five-year plans. When they don't work, they have another five-year plan. When that doesn't work, they just wipe out a million people. According to a five-year plan to sinicize Protestant churches released by the Chinese religious authorities, efforts to make the faith more Chinese included a new translation and annotation of the Bible. It also demanded Chinese traditional culture be integrated into liturgy, sacred music, clerical clothing, and church buildings. Examples given include using traditional Chinese tunes to compose hymns and encouraging Christians to practice calligraphy and Chinese painting. In China, Protestantism and Catholicism are two of the five officially recognized religions. Christianity and Protestantism are translated as the same term in Chinese and often conflated, while Catholicism has a separate translation. In modern times, Christianity was spread widely to China, along with colonial invasion of Western powers. It was therefore called a foreign religion, Zhu said, striking a nationalistic tone to underline the need for sinicization. Sinicization. Well, you say it. Some believers lack national consciousness. That's why we have the saying, one more Christian, one less Chinese. One more Christian, one less Chinese. He hailed the Boxer Rebellion of 1900 and the anti-Christian movement of 1922 to 1927, both characterized by large-scale violence against Christianity and foreigners as examples of such efforts. In China, all religious organizations, including churches, must be approved by the government, with their activities strictly regulated and monitored. And over the past year, a wave of underground congregations, including the Zion Church in Beijing and the Jindu, both prominent house churches, have been shut down, and their members and pastors interrogated and detained. 
We all know very well that in comparison to other religions, Protestantism in China carries a heavier historical burden, faces greater pressure from reality in its push for sinicization, Zhu said. This, he said, required the faith in China to rid itself of all imprints of foreign religion and establish its own Chinese theology. I remember when Thomas Friedman, I think he was given 17 Pulitzer Prizes once. He's another clown who writes a column for the New York Slimes. I remember when he used to wish the United States was more like China. They can get things done over there. And I bet a lot of liberals do. In fact, they sound more and more like they support the Chinese government from an ideological point of view, a wealth tax, a 70 to 90 percent marginal tax, and so forth. I'll be right back. Mark in. John, Fayetteville, Arkansas, the great KFAY. Go. Mark, you are gold, my friend. You are gold. Thank you, sir. You know, everybody says invest in gold. Well, they ought to invest in you. I'm down here in the South, and I'm getting quite tired of being called a racist. Uh, Don't have a racist bone in my body. Um, Worked on Wall Street, lived in New York, but from the South. And I got to tell you, um... The Northeastern, okay, how genius were the founders of this country when they knew that Iowa and Arkansas needed a voice? Um, because what, what they want to do is wipe out that, and California and New York control the whole country. And so, you know, here's my thing, Mark. And the point is you wouldn't have a country. Nobody, no, nobody, nobody wants to have the policies that are imposed in these dark blue states in New York and California imposed on the rest of the country. And if you do, people are not going to tolerate it. By the way. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's about to be Texas, too. And that's what's scary about this whole thing is that the Electoral College is actually in the Democrats' favor when you stop and think about it. Because once they take Texas and maybe Florida, it's all over. And you've said that over and over again. But... Where are the Jewish yeah, but 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 if they take Texas and Florida, it's all over anyway. Even if you just have the popular vote, exactly. That's that's my point. So, but that's why they're flooding the borders, and you you and I both know that's why they're trying to take Texas. Even Pelosi even came out and said our goal is Texas, and you know the George Soros's of the world. They they get it. They get this. So they're coming at us from all different fronts. They're coming at us on the electoral electoral college and the popular uh, vote deal as well. So they're going to end up, but you know, Mark, here's the deal. Um, you're, you're, you're so intelligent and you worked under Reagan and, and, and such. And the best quote that Reagan ever had, and I, it's on Brandy quotes or whatever it is, but we're only one generation away from uh, freedom ending. You remember that quote? It's the last paragraph of my, of my Liberty and Tyranny book. And, and and that's where we are. And, you know, you're kind of like the parent of the kid that wants to go out and party too much when they're in high school. Um, you're trying to help America from itself because it will self-destruct over time. If, if You're actually helping here's, America. Here's what I'm trying to do. 
I'm trying to create activists and the people who agree with us, and I'm trying to create people who are at least mentally, intellectually engaged out of people who just blow this stuff off. There is no way I'm going to convince the activists on the left of anything. They're not my target. My target is, you know, the rest of the American people. We had about a third of the population. I've talked about this over the years. We had about a third of the population that supported the Revolutionary War, about a third that didn't, and a third that wasn't involved, pretty much. Well, it's that one-third that cares about liberty, property rights, natural law, faith, limited government, the civil society. It's that one-third that I'm trying to get to each and every night, every time I write a book, whenever I do my Fox show, whenever I do Levin TV. Thank you for your call, my friend. Stephanie, St. Leonard, Maryland, the great WMAL. Go. Hi. Um, Hi. Maybe, you may have been a little bit past this, but I had a, a suggested constitutional amendment in the event that there is a convention of states that addresses the problem with the judiciary, but in a simpler way than I think you have proposed. Um, and the amendment would be this. Um, from this day forward, all federal judges shall follow um, originalism when they're rendering decisions. So, so you, don't, you don't think an activist judge would claim that they are following originalism? Um, well, I have a better idea. <clears throat> Rather than expecting the very judges who are violating the Constitution to all of a sudden a light bulb go off and say, you know what, they tell me I have to be an originalist, so I'll be an originalist, because I don't believe they'll do that. I'd rather have another check for our balance in the system, which is why I propose, and I don't believe this has been uh, among the uh, resolutions in any of the states, but I think it's absolutely, absolutely crucial, which is that uh, three-fifths of the state legislatures can overrule a Supreme Court decision if they act within 24 months. Three-fifths is not a super-duper majority. It's a big enough majority uh, where it won't be used all the time, but still it'll be hanging over the heads of the Supreme Court justices. And moreover, uh, you don't want two-thirds because that'll never happen. Uh, And the reason I say they need to act within two years is because you need some certainty in the law. And I also say that three-fifths of the House or three-fifths of the Senate can do the same, but it's particularly important with respect to the states because I don't think we could have Obamacare as an example today. But if you tell these same judges, I mean, they're supposed to be originalists. They're supposed to follow the Constitution. Those who defy it, they're not all of a sudden going to say, oh, you know what? Because you say originalist, I'll be an originalist. I just don't believe that's going to happen. It's too late anyway. That's not in any of the proposals. You believe, so you believe all the judges are, are actually intentionally, they're, they're ill. They're- I, I didn't say all the judges. There's some very good judges. But some of them, yes. Some of them are activists in robes. Wrote an entire book on that called Men in Black, and I even name names. Yeah. See, but you'd be, we'd be missing an opportunity to your point of the original question you asked, which is what does originalism mean? Then define it. You can define Look, it. Look, judges are not a debating society. I can define it all I want. Look at the Commerce Clause. That couldn't be simpler. So how do you take the Commerce Clause and then build a massive administrative state through the Commerce Clause? Better yet, look in your Constitution. Where's the Abortion Clause? There isn't any. What I'm trying to say to you is if people go into this and they don't have virtue, you can say you must be originalist, but they're not going to be. 
So what we need is another institution to have a check on that institution. Right now, there is no check whatsoever on the Supreme Court. And what I'm saying is that really wasn't the intent of the uh, of the uh, fa- uh, framers of the Constitution. You can have a check on the Supreme Court. It shouldn't be based on the popular vote. It shouldn't be based on electing justices or any nonsense like that. You should get the states back involved to the extent they're willing to get involved and allow that opportunity to exist. Don't leave it to the judges to decide if they're originalists or not. I'll be right back. American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. There's a lot going on in Great Britain. I don't pretend to understand it, so I brought in an expert who does. Niall Gardner, director of the Heritage Foundation's Margaret Thatcher Center for Freedom. How are you, sir? Uh, Fine, thank you, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I love your southern accent, by the way. (laughs) Thank you very much. What is going on over in Britain right now? Uh, very good, good question. So um, a very, very eventful day in the UK um, earlier. Uh, Theresa May lost uh, a historic vote on her EU withdrawal deal. Uh, this was a very, very bad deal, actually, that she had negotiated with the European Union. In my view, it's really a surrender to the EU, which would have tied Britain indefinitely uh, inside the EU Customs Union, which means that uh, Britain uh, would not be able to sign its own free trade agreement, so for example. Uh, Parliament uh, voted this deal uh, down, um, and uh, we're now looking at uh, a further series of votes in Parliament. So let's slow down a second. So her, her own party voted against it. Well, yeah, it's a combination actually of the opposition uh, parties, but also a lot of Conservative MPs uh, voted against the deal because they thought it was too weak. Um, and this was a deal that... Uh, she had spent a couple of years negotiating with the European Union. And the EU really has treated these negotiations as a kind of punishment beating for Britain, uh, as a warning uh, to other European countries of the consequences of daring to leave the EU. Uh, and so this was a, an ex- extraordinarily weak deal. And uh, Theresa May is, is a very, very weak uh, British Prime Minister. And, and this was the end result. Parliament has rejected this, uh, this deal. Uh, Parliament uh, votes tomorrow on a um, on a, a no deal Brexit. Uh, if Parliament votes that down, then Parliament votes again on Thursday to extend Article 50 of the European Union Treaty, uh, which uh, which sets the, the the date of Britain's departure from the European Union. Uh, so so very a very complex week in many in many ways. Uh, but the reality is that Britain is set to leave the EU on March 29th. Uh, this year, and that is in parliamentary legislation. Uh, And so, uh, in in my view, the best outcome for Britain would be to leave under what is known as a no-deal scenario on March 29th, whereby Britain just exits the EU without a formal agreement with the European Union. That would be far better than Theresa May's uh, deal, uh, and it would ensure that Britain would be a truly sovereign, free country, able to shape its own destiny uh, on the world stage. Well, what is happening with May and some of her party members, the Labour Party? In other words, they really don't want to get out of the EU, do they? So they're they're uh, they're dragging their feet. They come up with these cockamamie schemes, I guess. Yeah. 
and they reject the vote that took place. It was a thin vote, a thin majority, and they probably just figure that uh, that was uh, that was one vote, and we should not be bound by it. Yeah, it, it's it's very important to bear in mind that Theresa May herself, of course, uh, voted against Brexit, and she was a Remainer. She later converted to being a Brexiteer, but uh, uh, and, and the fact is that uh, around 500 out of 650 members of Parliament today also voted against Brexit, uh, whereas 52% of the British people, 17.4 million people, voted in favour of, of Brexit. And so there is this tremendous disconnect between the British people and the, and the ruling political elites. Um, and so Theresa May has really approached this whole um, Brexit negotiation with the European Union in a sort of half-hearted fashion. Uh, and a lot of the people around her in Downing Street, of course, oppose Brexit. Um, and so, um, and the end result is a, is a disastrous deal with the European Union that really kowtows to, uh, to the, uh, the, the Brussels, uh, you know, empire, basically. And, and so that, that's where we are today. Is, is the EU threatening Britain that if it does leave that there will be uh, some consequences, like trade consequences? Well, yeah, I mean, the EU has made all kinds of threats and they've, uh, they've uh, set ransom demands as well. So Britain has to pay £39 billion pounds just to get out of the EU, and this money will be used to pay for the, uh, you know, the pensions of EU bureaucrats and various other you know, pet projects of, of the EU. Um, and in addition to that, the EU is now uh, all reports uh, suggesting that the EU will charge about a billion pounds a month uh, to Britain if, if, uh, if they grant an extension to Article 50, if, in other words, if Brexit is delayed. Um, and so the, the approach taken by the EU has been extortionate, uh, menacing. Um, it's, it's as though they're sort of running a kind of protection racket here, really. Um, and, um, you know, and the way that they have treated Britain and the British people has been absolutely appalling. Um, and in my view, uh, you know, Brexit cannot come soon enough. I mean, Britain has to get out of the European Union uh, and, and be a free sovereign country again. Uh, around two-thirds of British laws, laws today uh, you know, is derived from uh, EU uh, laws, actually. European courts have, uh, have a sway over British courts and overrule uh, British courts. Uh, Britain cannot control its own borders. Britain cannot sign its own free trade agreements. So being part of the EU means that, that you're not a free country, uh, which is why Brexit is so incredibly important. Is there not a great statesman among the Tories who's leading the opposition to May, leading the battle against the European Union, or are they all under that system, or they all kind of have to be quiet? No, I mean, there are a lot of, uh, of very, very uh, vocal uh, Brexiteers who are uh, completely opposed to the way that Theresa May has handled uh, the negotiations with the European Union. Uh, Boris Johnson, the former Foreign Secretary, is a very good example. He resigned from the, uh, the, the government a few months ago over Theresa May's handling of the EU negotiations. Uh, there, there are many other uh, very prominent um, you know, Brexiteers who have fought tooth and nail for a, for a truly sovereign Brexit that respects the will of the British people. So there are a lot of real conservatives who are fighting uh, very, very hard for a, for a real Brexit here. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, Theresa May remains a prime minister. Uh, she is no Margaret Thatcher. Uh, and she has pursued, in many ways, uh, you know, a, a policy of appeasement towards the, the European Union. Uh, but that's not where I think the bulk of the Conservative Party are. 
the vast majority of British Conservatives voted for Brexit and they voted to leave the European Union and, and they wished to see their, uh, their, uh, their vote in that 2016 referendum fully respected. Talking to Niall Gardner of the Heritage Foundation, director of the Margaret Thatcher Center for Freedom. Okay, but she, as I recall, wasn't that long ago, she won a battle to stay on as prime minister. So what happens to her? She can just keep muddling along like this? Yes, and she won a, uh, uh, a, a no-confidence vote within the Conservative Party, although uh, a large number of Conservative MPs voted to remove her, but they did not succeed in doing so. So, you know, her position is, is theoretically safe for now, um, but uh, she has already stated that she will step down before the next general election, which is 2022. Uh, my, my sense is that she will go later this year, uh, and uh, there is deep-seated unhappiness with her uh, with her uh, leadership. So uh, I, w- I would expect that, you know, she will probably exit by the time of the Conservative Party conference, which is in October. Uh, and she'll be replaced, hopefully, by uh, by a true Brexiteer who will lead Britain into a, into a new, uh, you know, into a, a new future that's based upon sovereignty and self-determination and, and the right of the British people to decide their own laws, their, their own future, defend their own borders, etc. And you need a a prime minister who truly believes in Brexit and who truly believes uh, that, that Britain should be out of the European Union. And frankly, Theresa May is very half-hearted about it. And who is the favourite? Do we know to replace her? Is that Boris Johnson or somebody well, certainly else? Boris Johnson is the, is the front-runner uh, front to replace uh, Theresa May, uh, certainly the most popular figure among the, the Brexiteers. I mean, there are other, other candidates uh, as well in, in the running, uh, there's Sajid Javid, the Home Secretary, Michael Gove, the Environment Secretary, Liam Fox, the, the Trade Secretary, for example. And so basically very, her entire cabinet. Uh, yes, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, this, the situation is that there are many people in the cabinet right now and also outside the cabinet who do a far superior job, I think, leading, leading Great Britain. And you have to have somebody in charge who actually supported uh, Brexit in the first place, who, who really believes in, in, in Brexit. Um, and uh, my former boss, Margaret Thatcher, would have absolutely celebrated Brexit. I mean, were she alive today? And I hope that whoever succeeds uh, Theresa May is a, is a real Thatcherite who believes in, uh, in, in British freedom and, and sovereignty, as Margaret Thatcher uh, did. And uh, the, the, the people of Britain still uh, about 52, 48. How is the split there on this? Yeah, I would say that support for, for Brexit remains very, uh, very strong. And a clear majority of the British people just want the British government to get on with delivering Brexit. Uh, that, that's absolutely the case today. And so uh, br- support for Brexit is not eroded. Uh, the British economy is doing, is doing very well. There's a very bright future for, uh, for Brexit, Britain, especially once Britain is freed from the shackles of the European Union, which is, which is in essence a, a supranational big government a project run by unelected bureaucrats, uh, many of whom really uh, absolutely uh, have, have no respect at all for, uh, for the will of the British people, and, and this is unacceptable. You know, uh, now, Gardner, you work for one of the great leaders, Margaret Thatcher. Then you've seen two successive Tory prime ministers who've been extraordinarily weak, in my view. Yes. Yeah. Why, why is that? Is that the system, like our system sometimes in, in, in the Congress, just pops up people who know how to work the system in seniority, but they're not necessarily the best? Yeah, I think that was absolutely the case with, uh, with David Cameron, who preceded Theresa May, 
and now with Theresa May herself. I mean, they're both politicians who successfully worked through the, the system, but uh, not, neither of them are actually, you know, conservatives ideologically in any, in any sense. Uh, and, uh, and I think that, um, you know, you need a, uh, a prime minister in Britain, a conservative prime minister, who is actually a, a conservative who believes in conservative principles and ideals. Uh, and unfortunately, that's not the case right now with, with Theresa May, who has no real ideology to, to speak of, but she worked her way through the, uh, the parliamentary uh, system. Uh, she became prime minister because the Brexiteers were divided amongst themselves uh, following the referendum uh, win in 2016. Uh, and she came through uh, by, by default, really, because, because of the divisions among the, uh, on the Brexit side. So um, I, I think that you know, we need to see uh, another prime minister who believed in, in Britain, who believed in, in the principles that, that have made Britain a, you know, a, great, a great country uh, today. And that those are uh, free market principles, the principles of individual liberty and, and freedom, uh, principles which have been trampled upon by the European Union for the last 45 years. And, and Britain needs to, to really break free of those, those shackles uh, right now. And in the head of the Labour Party, you have a real crackpot, don't you? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, with, uh, with Jeremy Corbyn, I mean, he is a far-left uh, extremist. He's not just a uh, socialist, but he's also somebody who, you know, has uh, Marxist views and uh, has sympathized, actively sympathized with, with communist groups in the past and has also uh, been an appeaser and supporter of terrorist organizations, uh, including, of course, the, the IRA. And, uh, and, you know, Jeremy Corbyn is also potentially a representative of, of America's future as well, if you have socialist, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, leaders in, in the U.S., Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he, he's a very, very frightening figure. Uh, if he became prime minister, I think he would actually destroy Britain. All right, my friend, Niall Gardner, director of the Heritage Foundation's Margaret Thatcher Center for Freedom. Thank you for clearing things up for us. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much, Mark. All right. God bless. Be well. Have you noticed how many Democrat presidential candidates are so proudly embracing socialized medicine with their rosy promises of better health care and lower drug prices? Yet when it comes to real tangible reforms, like bringing price transparency into the system, Democrats oppose it. They oppose it. Take pharmacy benefit managers, or PBMs. Ever heard of them? Well, PBMs are middlemen that supposedly negotiate drug price discounts are intended for patients. But instead, they keep savings intended for you, for themselves. So you see, PBMs make their money from higher, not lower drug prices. President Trump recently proposed eliminating this perverse system by requiring discounts go straight to seniors, as an example. And, of course, the Democrats oppose that, too. But get this. So did the AARP. Yes, the American Association of Retired Persons, for reasons we can't understand, other than the fact that they make mega millions selling supplemental insurance plans, is on board with Democrats protecting these PBMs while sticking seniors with higher drug costs. It's enough to make you sick. Get the facts. Go to TrueHealthCareFacts.com. That's TrueHealthCareFacts.com. TrueHealthCareFacts.com. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Does your current office chair support you? If you're lucky, maybe it goes up and down. 
Now compare that to my chair with Dynamic Variable Lumbar Support, or DVL. The X-Chair's DVL provides unbelievably comfortable lumbar support, and every part of the chair can be custom-adjusted just to fit you. That's why the X-Chair is equally supportive and comfortable whether you're 5 feet 2 inches and 110 pounds or 6 feet 4 inches and 250 pounds or 6 feet tall and 230 pounds. Moi, I can comfortably sit for hours in my X-Chair. And now with the introduction of the X-Basic model, there's an X-Chair for every body type and budget. Take advantage of X-Chair's new financing option and pay as little as 30 bucks per month. Take your comfort and productivity to the next level for less than the cost of a daily cup of coffee. X-Chair is on sale right now for $100 off. Just go to xchairlevin.com, that's xchairlevin.com, or call 1-844-4X-Chair, 1-844-4X-Chair. X-Chair comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. So go to xchairlevin.com right now and use code XWHEELS and you'll receive a free set of the new X-Wheels with your chair. But it's crucial to ch- get the chair. Look at the chair first. Go to xchairlevin.com or call 1-844-4X-Chair. Get 100 bucks off. Mr. Producer, my call screen is down yet again. Any libs, any smart people, what do you have for us? Bob in New York, the great WABC. Go. Hey, Mark. Thank you for taking my call. Go ahead. Yeah, right, sure. Bye. By the way, just I, I found the Brexit call like really kind of boring. Just to give you some immediate feedback. But the reason I called was because you put on my fourth favorite senator from the state of New York, uh, Chuck Schumer, who was anecdotally referring to climate change issues. And I, 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 I told your call screener that the hottest temperature in New York City, where Chuck Schumer proclaims to be from, was in 1936, when it was 106 degrees. So he was proclaiming that somehow he's observed that things are getting hotter and the climate is getting more outrageous. And I just want, I needed to respond to that. Well, I think he did a good job. I want to talk to you about Brexit. I'm just kidding. All right, let's take another call. Thank you, sir. Jimmy, New York, the great WABC, go. Yeah, concerning the the the, uh, the attack the Christian churches are going through in China, I just got a call from a friend of mine really upset. The Catholic Pope agreed with the Chinese Communist government to let the Communist Party appoint bishops and cardinals to the Catholic Church in Red China. This is unheard of. Why would they agree to that? I don't know. Uh, the best way. Maybe you think that this uh, Pope thinks he's going to save the church that way. That's not going to happen. I think this Pope is in with the communists, myself. I mean, he pushes the global warming hoax and various other things. He's uh, been very critical of free markets. Yeah, the country, wherever, wherever you look, the Marxists are marching. It's incredible. Yeah, like in the Democrat Party and on CNN and MSLSD. Thank you for your call, my friend. We're going to do three hours on Brexit tomorrow. What do you think, Mr. Producer? No, I'm just kidding. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And I'll see you right here tomorrow. God bless. Take care.